Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Asia Town Voice. Asia Town Voice is an hour-long nonprofit program on WJCU's eighty-eight point seven FM radio. We're on every Sunday from seven p.m. to eight p.m. This hour-long program provides you with an inside look at the Asian American and Pacific Islander Americans' community, culture. Education and events going on in Northeast Ohio. Asia Town Voice is volunteer-based, and we hope that you, the listener, will enjoy our program and give your support to WJCU. This way, we can continue to provide many voices with many choices to you. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Yin Tang, and I am the bossy lady. That is my host name. And、uh, hiding from us right now is Johnny Wu, the ghost host. <laughs> He might pop in later. And、uh, also with us is DJ Alexicon. Whoop whoop! And he informed me earlier that he wants to change his host name to.、Um, right now, now you put some doubt in my mind.、So、oh no! <laughs> We were debating it. Okay. <laughs> I was strong earlier, and then、yeah. maybe not. <laughs> he wanted to be called the Techie Host. I think DJ Alexicon is a little more、um, new age. Is that a good way to? Yeah, it's a little more hip. Makes you seem younger. Yeah. Yes, I like that. But without further ado, let's introduce our special guest for tonight. It is Arthur Chu. Hello, Arthur Chu. Hello. Yes. And would you like to do the introduction, DJ Lexicon? And I will do a quick introduction of Arthur tonight.、Um, he is a former host on Jeopardy, and、uh, he made it pretty darn far. Yes, <laughs> carrying the flag for Cleveland, Ohio. Absolutely. Yes. So、um, I guess our first question. Let's start from the beginning. How did you get on Jeopardy? Um, I mean, it's a pretty simple process.、Uh, Jeopardy. It used to be a lot harder, and now these days with the internet, it's pretty easy. Every January, they have an online test, so、oh. you just go on the website, look for when the test is scheduled, and you sign up.、Um, you answer a bunch of questions, and if you score high enough on the test, they call you back for an in-person audition, which is just one day、um, in a city near yours. So.、Um, The first time I auditioned, I was actually living in L.A., so that was in Culver City where they film、uh, for real. And the second time I auditioned, I was living in Washington D.C., and so I had to go out to Baltimore to、mm-hmm. audition. And that happened to be the same day that we were moving from one apartment to another. So I actually, at the last minute, I had to tell my wife, <laughs> "Oh, I have to do this Jeopardy thing. I can't help. <laughs> I can't help move." And she was a little bit upset, but I think、wow. in hindsight, she thinks it was the right decision. So the test is like online. Uh, the first test is online, and then when you go to the in-person audition, they test you again. Yeah, you have to、oh. take a similar test on paper just to make sure that you didn't cheat or like have someone else take the test for yeah, you. Yeah, because I was about to bring that up. But, yeah, <laughs>、uh, the second test is, is paper, like yeah, yeah, a regular yeah. test in a classroom. Yeah. So, what kind of questions are on the online test? Pretty much the same kind of kinds of things that you see on Jeopardy.、Um, it's not like in the form of a question or anything like that. Oh no, so, so it's just regular. Yeah, they just ask you. Is it multiple choice questions? No, no multiple choice. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that would be、not. a little too easy with Google、right. and everything.、Um, but they ask you. You know,、um, it's it's mostly the same kinds of things as Jeopardy. So history,、um, they like U.S. state capitals and presidents and that kind of thing. Is it?、Timed? And it's always like wordplay. What is it timed? Yeah, it's timed. Oh, yeah. That that's wow. You don't have time to research. No, absolutely not. <laughs> really fast, but yeah, they they、yeah. do. So it's like you you literally have、um, I think like ten seconds to answer a question, and then the question disappears and it flashes. Oh, another even the question is timed. That the entire test. Yeah, yeah.、Oh. So that makes it much more difficult.、Oh. You could still theoretically Google the answers, yeah, but it makes it a lot harder.、Time. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, do they actually grade you on how quickly you answer a question? No, that's not. In、I、fact,、see. it's one nice thing is like you type an answer in, and you can think about it, and you can change it. 
um, but you don't have to hit enter. So if you type it in and you just wait, if the 10 seconds go up, it automatically captures that answer. So that's one cool thing, you know. How so it's is, um, you. when you ask Siri a question, how fast do you get a response? Siri? I don't know. I don't, you I don't know? use Siri. <laughs> <laughs> but what inspired you to, uh, to go on Jeopardy? I mean, when you were younger, did you always play trivia games? Is this something that you've always yeah. done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when I was a little kid, you know, I loved it when they would do, like, um, study games in class because I'd do very well at that. I'd always, like, you know... I could go up against the rest of the class by myself and win. Um, so, you know, I've always been, like, this, the smart kid in the class. And when you're the smart kid and, you know, you, you make conversation all the time by uh, mentioning random trivia stuff, eventually people will say, well, you should take that to Jeopardy. You should be on TV. And so I always had that in my mind. Um, I don't think I was ready to do it when I was in high school or college. And that's good because if you do the team tournament or the college championship um, there's just like a fixed prize for those and you can't oh, win right. anymore. But as an adult, when I did, when I did go on, you know, um, it's unlimited how much you can win as long as you keep winning. So hmm. that turned out better for me. But yeah, um, I tried, I've tried out for the show twice. So, you know, I tried out once, um, and I did get called for the audition, like I said, um, out of college. And then there's kind of like, uh, a two year gap. Um, oh. they tell you, you have to wait for two years before you can take the test again. And so, you know, the second time I did it was a couple years ago, and it was actually almost towards the end of my period of eligibility when they actually called me and told me I was going to be on the show. It was wow. a big surprise. <laughs> what, do, what do you mean so. you have to take the test again? So when the first time you took it, you weren't selected? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, okay. The first time you do it, I mean, every time you do it, they don't, they don't tell you you're guaranteed to get it. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Um, if gotcha. you go to the audition, you take the test, they, you know, take a picture of you and, like, just talk to you to have, like, a job interview kind of thing just to see what you'll be like on the show. And then they just tell you to wait. Yeah. Um, and they tell you, wait for um, a year and a half, but the test so is only every waiting. year. Did so they communicate really with years. you via phone, telephone, not mail, if they, Not if they don't pick you. If they don't pick you, you just wait for a couple of years and then you're eligible years. to take the test again. Wow. Yeah. Um, if they do pick you, then, yeah, you get a phone call and they just ask you right then and there, are you free to come to LA in like 30 days. And so I had 30 <laughs> days to, I had for, I personally, I don't know, maybe other people prepare, but I had forgotten all about it. Yeah. And yeah I was you would doing other things and had other priorities. And then I had to like upend my whole life and 30 days. I've got to be in LA. Unless you put Jeopardy. something in your fridge that says, wait until Jeopardy calls yeah. you. <laughs> well, I'm sure you, I'm sure you have a day job too, right? Yeah. I have a day job. I had to take time off work. This is, wow. I mean, um, you know, for me, there wasn't that much big stuff going on. I do community theater and that kind of thing, but I wasn't like actively in rehearsals for anything. Um, but you know, I've, I've known people who have said like they, they had wedding plans that they put on hold because oh. they didn't <laughs> know exactly when they would be on, you know, and it's, it's a big show. It's a big media company. It's Sony pictures entertainment. Yeah. So they don't wait for you. If you can't do it, mm. you can't do it. You just, so I guess you know. join if you're single or <laughs> yeah. if you took the test. Wait until you're selected before you propose. Well, because you never know when I you're going to get cold. There's some people the who are in the pool their whole lives, you know, and wow. don't get called, or like wow. get called like after like ten years of trying. So it's, wow. it's you know. What do you do for your day job? I work for an insurance company. Oh, okay. Does the insurance company rhyme with obsessive? No, no. <laughs> so I, I don't work for them. No. I guess it's did a that, small company. Did that yeah. play a part into how uh, Jeopardy kind of spun your backstory? Did they interview you about your life and how it would fit into their 
you know, the way they present their contestants. Well, I hadn't been working for them when I tried out. I was actually oh. working. I, I didn't live here. I, I lived in, uh, that was a long time ago, a couple of years ago. So I lived in D.C. at the time working for an IT company. Mm. Um, but I, I do think they, they take that into account. I mean, every time they announce you on the show, they say what your job is. Um, um, I don't think it's, you know, it, it's, it's not a bad job. It's not a, it's, it's an office job. So mm -hmm. it's a fairly typical job. I made a joke about that. The other lady... <laughs> who I'm a compliance analyst. That's my um, job title. And the other lady who uh, won like 20 games this year is a supply chain manager. And like mm. both of those are like the least interesting sounding. So no wonder <laughs> we would be on Jeopardy, you know, to have something else to talk about. No oh, I see. To, you know. So they kind of poke fun at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned that you lived in L.A. and um, D.C. before. Are you an original Clevelander? No, my wife is actually. So we're here because of her. Okay. Um, she actually grew up in Chagrin Falls, uh, and we met in college at Swarthmore College in Philadelphia. Okay. And uh, so we lived in D.C. for a while, and then ended up moving here. You know, I, th I think like a lot of people, housing costs in D.C. are just so high. Yeah. So, you know, the the job market's a little better in D.C., but you pay for that with a higher cost of living. So. Yeah. How How do you compare Cleveland with L.A. and D.C.? Um, well, it's a tough question, isn't it? Very tough yeah. question. I think I, I know D.C. a little better than L.A. I mean, I, I spent my teen years in L.A., but when you're a teenager, you're so focused mm. on your own stuff. You know, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I never really lived in L.A. as an adult. So, um, But D.C. is definitely, you know, there's, 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 there's nice people everywhere you go. There's ordinary people everywhere you go. But definitely D.C. has this sort of... It has this sort of subculture of people who are there because of politics and who are there because... You know, they they have ambition and they care. It's not a bad thing, but it's a high pressure kind of environment to be in. And just like in L.A., there's, you know, most of the people aren't aspiring actors, but you will run into a lot of people who are connected to the entertainment industry. And that's a certain culture. Mm -hmm. And Cleveland is a nice it's nice because there's not as much of um, there's not this thing that you're kind of supposed to be in. And if you're not in it, you feel like you're not being ambitious enough. Like I never wanted to, i don't think i you know i don't think i could have but i never wanted to get into politics really not not in the sense of like working in dc working for a company doing that and you know it was it's it's kind of a relief to not have that nearby i think my wife definitely said that she just she couldn't stand like people always talking about i'm i work for so-and-so and i work yeah. for you know like dropping names and conversations and so Cleveland, some people say it's a boring place, but it's nice. It's a smaller pond. It's, um, it's, you're it's not, like home. Yeah, yeah. So when you uh, lived in D.C., you were working? Um, I Actually, my first job in D.C. was working for a tour company. Okay, that's, what, tour I, that's, what, I, that's yeah. what I meant. You weren't a student or anything. You're no, already no. graduated from yeah, college. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but, yeah. It's different when you're after in college rather than when you're living as a teen in a place because you don't care about your surroundings, right? <laughs> you're I just care. living your life, you know? Yeah. And then you only appreciate it later when yeah, you're, yeah. you're much, uh, you're, when you're an adult. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned that you've done community acting before. Yeah. Um, do you do, like, narration? Because it sounds like you have a great voice for uh, narrating. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um, I've, done a, I've done a bunch of different things. Um, voiceovers? Voiceover, yeah. <laughs> so um, that's cool. actually the first thing that I... I started out with in terms of like performing, um, you know, because people had told me that that I had a voice for radio, and there's a lot more to it than that, but it, it helps to it helps at least with your confidence level to mm -hmm. sound good on the radio. And so um, when I was in LA, I took classes with um, Nancy Wolfson. I'll drop her name. She's a really great voiceover coach. Um, and I was fortunate that, I mean, 
you don't have to live in LA, but I was fortunate in that it was easier for me to like find people who were into that and get some mentorship. Um, but yeah, the, the nice thing about doing voiceovers, aside from the fact that I think I have a, a more attractive voice than face, you know, well, the, nice thing about, the nice thing about it is that it's, it is very flexible, that um, you can do it from home, that more and more, um, just like with, with film, cameras are getting cheaper and cheaper and smaller and smaller. But with voiceover, like pretty much anyone um, can put together a voiceover, like a recording rig at home if they really want to. You, you no longer need to have a studio. You no longer need to have like thousands of dollars worth of equipment. And so it's democratized a lot. I mean, that's th correct. That's because th sometimes when I do the show, yeah, it doesn't <laughs> come to think about it. The only cause there was the laptop, which I already bought. Then yeah. the microphones, which is like thirty, forty bucks. But then you can use it for other things because you play music and you can record. Yeah. yeah. But if from a purely recording pers perspective, if you really want audio quality, the most expensive is a good quality microphone like that one. Yeah. This one, this one's <laughs> yeah. nice. I like this one. Yeah. But other than that, it is it. <laughs> cheap to produce. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I mean, that can be good and bad. Um, I mean, it's bad for the people who are in L.A. and New York because now they're competing with people who live in Cleveland. Yes, yes. But, um, it means that I can live in Cleveland and I can still, you know, go out for jobs. Do your work and send it yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So can you uh, tell us some of the works that you have done? You know, I'm, um, I still have a day job. I'm a conservative kind of person. And it's conservative in the sense of, like, not taking huge risks. Um so, yeah, I still have a normal job, so I don't have the, the time that I would like to have to do voiceover. But I've done and I've done some stuff. Um, one of my passion projects was working with Earthworld, which is – it's hard to explain. It's a, it's a very nerdy um, webcomic, and the creator of Earthworld, Rob Balder, wanted to – he was actually pretty popular. It was one of Time Magazine's, like, webcomics to watch. Oh, no in, way. Like, uh, <laughs> how long ago was it? Like, 2010? Um so he's been branching out from just doing comics to like doing, you know, animations and doing videos and audiobook stuff. And so, you know, I became through like this audition process, just randomly, I became the narrator for Earthworld. And it's pretty cool. And I've done a lot of narration for them since then. Um, and I've done here and there, I've done like uh, radio commercials. So I recently, <laughs> That's <just> got, so cool. <laughs> I recently just got told that a commercial that I did in D.C. is getting renewed. So I'm getting paid without having to do anything, which is the best. That's how it's supposed to be. It's well, called royalty. It's favorite way to right? get paid is not to act, but to get paid for something you did like it's, a year, yeah. like two years ago. It's royalties. Um, yeah. yeah. What commercial? Um, it was for Capital College, so it was a community college. Uh, and, oh wow! You know, I played the guy getting an MBA. I don't actually have an MBA, but you know. <laughs> that's, well, that's, you, you that's have a commercial business. one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, and you know, just recently I did a corporate video. So a lot of the stuff that actually pays the bills and voiceovers. It's kind of like not not necessarily glamorous stuff, but you know, um, like any other kind of work, you get into uh, loving it for what it is. Yeah. And then when you get something that is like really cool, yeah. you know, that doesn't necessarily pay as much, then you can afford to do it because you you know paid your dues doing it. Another stuff. similar career is like uh, jingle writers uh, oh, for yeah. commercials. There's a lot here in Ohio. Really? They're very low key. You never you never know them, but they catch. Are you one um, of them? No, I'm not. <laughs> One of them is a Universal Windows Director. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, Universal Windows Oh, you mean director. wrote for that? Wrote oh, okay, and composed okay. the music for commercial, <laughs> commercial jingles. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I yeah, didn't know Yeah, they just that. do it out of their uh, thing, and whenever it plays, they get royalties out of it. There's oh. a lot of uh, yeah, independent composers living in Cleveland. The little things oh, about the Cleveland. Things. Yeah. Yeah. 
But anyway, Arthur, uh, back to Jeopardy. I know uh, we kind of got si- sidetracked. Um, how far did you make it in, in the game show? I was on the show for 12 episodes, so I won 11 times, and I lost the 12th time. Is it yeah. every week? No. Uh, the show's every night. It's, oh, it's syndicated, oh, okay. So, it's so every, every day. Uh, yeah, Monday through Friday. Oh, okay. So wow. that was three weeks that I was on the show. And, was, and when it was actually aired on TV, it was broken up. This is Jeopardy's 30th anniversary. Oh. Actually, it's their... It's the 50th anniversary of the show as a whole. It's the 30th anniversary of this version of the show. So Alistair did you Bagwell. stay in L.A. for 15 days? Or? No, no. They film um, they film five episodes in one day. So an episode's oh, wow. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that I was in sense. L.A. for three days. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they wouldn't actually, like, have everyone come to work for half – have everyone come to work for yeah, half an yeah, hour yeah. and go home. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so it's it's a lot more stressful than it looks on TV. You don't get a you don't get a night between every. Episode so you do you have like to bring minutes. a change of clothes for yeah, each other. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like it's like one. I show know, day. I know. Yeah, but, well, what what was actually interesting was I was on for um, twelve episodes, but they were spaced out because Jeopardy had all those special tournaments yes. this mm-hmm. year. So I was actually on the show for like three months, and that that helped with the whole like going viral. Mm-hmm. You know, I, they couldn't have planned it because this was all set in advance, but it it did help with like me becoming like the sort of celebrity. Yeah, um, it was the third at the time. It was the third highest uh, winning total of anyone on the show in the show's history. Um, yeah, that's impressive. And then this yeah. year, this year there was a lady who took the the number two spot. So now I've been bumped down to number four. So, wow. And I'm going to face her in the Tournament of Champions in the fall. So it's, it's oh, great. Really it's something to look forward to. Something <laughs> yeah. to look forward to. So when are you flying back out, out to L.A. for that? I can't talk about that. Oh, okay. Sorry. Oh, that's right, because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Yes, yes. Right. So what was your biggest takeaway from this experience on being on Jeopardy? Um, it's just, it, it, it changed a lot of things for me. I think um, one of the things that happened, Julia Collins is the name of that other lady, and a lot of people have asked, like, you know, she actually won more money than me. Why are, were more people talking about me than her? And I mm-hmm. think even to the very, like, small scale, like, local Cleveland level, I was already sort of in the public eye. I was doing theater. I was doing voiceover. So I was already, like, ready to jump on this train. And she seems like a much more private person, which is fine. You know, like, mm-hmm. I respect that she doesn't want to – she's got, like, $400,000. What does she care, right? But, um, <laughs> but um so so for me it's definitely opened a lot of doors it's 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 actually in a way a lot of pressure like moving to cleveland from dc i was like well i can finally relax i can take time for myself you know have a more low-key life and then this thing kind of just blows up and like i don't want to squander these opportunities but it really is i um i was initially obviously i was surprised that i won a lot of money on the show but that was for me that happened way back last year when i was actually filming um so the second surprise was just how big a deal it was. I didn't realize that this would like blow up on the internet, that there'd be all these people talking about me. And, right. you know, I, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I, I really was surprised. I think Jeopardy was surprised because they don't usually have contestants go viral like that. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of like, I guess you'd call it damage control because a lot of people initially hated me. Right? But, <laughs> but they were like really to deal interesting. With the, the PR. Um, and it's just, it's strange being like a mini celebrity. I mean, I don't. I'm hesitant to use that. Almost sounds like bragging, but it's it's weird. It's weird that you know I went from like having 200 followers on Twitter to having like 14,000 followers. Wow! Twitter, so. <laughs> I am surprised that everybody that he had a lot of haters. Yeah, that was actually. Um, it's it feels like it was forever ago now, but it wasn't that long ago. Um, 
but yeah um initially the reaction on jeopardy um a lot of people on like the jeopardy social media sites like the jeopardy facebook page or television without pity it was a website it's been taken down since then people said it was my fault and it wasn't <laughs> um they had a, a forum about jeopardy um and people thought i was a very unlikable contestant and there's a lot of reasons um and the big one was the strategy, right? That a big reason that I won so much money on Jeopardy was that I jumped around on the game board and people who were watching at home found that very annoying and difficult oh. to keep up with. And that's very interesting. And then that colors everything else. So from that, that was why they didn't like watching it, but that made them associate everything with me, you know, to do with me with, with that. So they didn't like my hair. They didn't like the way I talk. They didn't like my <laughs> Well, that is show. That's the other flip side of showbiz. Yeah. You get scrutinized yeah. for yeah, every yeah. little thing. <laughs> but that was a that was a blessing, you know, in a way, because um, Julia Collins didn't have that kind of reaction, and so people just didn't notice her as much. You know, people were talking about me after I'd won four shows, and four is not that unusual. It's, mm. it's a high number, but lots of people win. Yeah, yeah. But after like the fourth win, there were already people like wanting to interview me for like you know. Um, People wanting to interview me for like uh, the Daily Mail from the UK, like Mental Floss from like the UK. Websites. Yeah, yeah, they, they have a actually pretty vibrant US market because they're on the internet. Oh. Um, but yeah, and and it's just, it's because of the controversy. So the the fact that I was initially controversial and then I kept winning and then I let's say a combination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and most of the people who heard about it afterwards, I mean, it's the people who were watching Jeopardy who didn't like me. But the people who found out about it from the media and like everybody, they were like, that's a stupid reason to dislike somebody. And all these people came into the conversation on my side. And so the backlash ended up being a lot stronger than the initial, you know, wave of negativity. And and I think it's carried me since then to the extent that, you know, I'm still famous or whatever. It's it's because of, of that, that way that I was initially presented mm. to the public. It's yeah. a very interesting thing to look at, this whole like social media fame business, you know. Well, your hair is a little bit on Kemp's, but so is mine. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, well, I have radio. no hair, so nothing to be yeah. for Kemp. <laughs> DJ Lexicon doesn't have any hair. And I don't know why they're complaining about your voice, because you have a very great like voiceover Very voice. nice, audible. Calm, uh... Yeah, soothing. But you said some people didn't like your face? Oh, yeah. Well, on my facial expressions, they said I oh. smug. Um, it's just... <laughs> I. Well, one of the reasons I do voiceover is I'm I'm not. And one of the reasons that I did like stage acting was to try to counteract that. But I'm not a very expressive expressive person. Yeah. And so they were like, he never smiles. You know, he, doesn't look, <laughs> he doesn't look happy to be deep there. inside. He's smiling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's winning all this That's money, like you right? Try yeah. You know, some people smile too much, and they don't like that either. You can't really win. I was saying. Like, do you find yourself doing this expression? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the money. The, the man, yeah. Jenny Manzella. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, like. like um, Last year, uh, 2013, the guy who was the champion for 2013, his name was Colby Burnett, and uh, people hated him. There was there was all this like disproportionate anger towards him, and it was because he smiled too much. Because oh, he no. smiled every he time just, he got he a just question, can't make and they were happy. like, "He's so smug. He's so you know, he's so pleased." <laughs> and with you're not smiling, and you're still smug. Yeah, yeah. Someone yeah. is smiling. DJ Lexicon smiles all the time, so he's always smug. So we yeah. should all just like him. <laughs> smuggy totally host. Yeah, smuggy host. Yeah, you could be the smuggy host. But um, during this entire uh, experience, did you find that race was an issue at all? Well, I mean, there were people who... It's the internet, so the bar's kind of lowered. But yeah, there were people who were openly racist, so you can't say it wasn't an issue. Like, there were people who made all kinds of 
and people do it on the internet because they want to get attention and so on. But on Twitter, um, the first night I was on, there were a lot of racist jokes. Um, my sister was much more offended than I was. She oh. actually was like tracking the people down. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was like, don't do that. She's going to get this lady's, I found this lady's work <laughs> email and, you know, but how dare she say that? Uh, but, um, can be obsessed about that. Well, <laughs> it's, it's a factor. You always um, have detractors. Always. Can, right, right. I can't say it's like the, the only factor. It's all because of that. You know, what I, what I usually say is like race, the thing about it is, in modern times, we try to pretend we are past that, but really we just don't talk about it. But it obviously still affects our perceptions. Like Colby Burnett, the guy I mentioned, was black. Mm -hmm. And I feel like black guys in the media will always get seen as, you know, more arrogant or more, you know, pompous or whatever than a white guy doing the same thing. And I feel like, yeah, I, as a person am um awkward on stage i know that especially in a high stakes situation like jeopardy where what i'm thinking about is winning the game not how yeah, i present like myself looking but, uh, nice yeah but, uh, <laughs> that's amplified by the fact that it feeds into a stereotype so maybe if i were like the nicest bubbliest person in the world they wouldn't say what a robot but that's kind of the the people already kind of think of asian guys like that and so if i fit, fit that stereotype it strengthens their reaction and you could see people saying things like well typical asian guy he thinks he's so smart or, you know, of course it's an Asian guy winning on Jeopardy, when in fact, hardly any Asian guys have been, like, multi-time champions no. on Jeopardy. And no, so, I don't remember. Yeah. And besides, yeah. if, if I'm in that situation, I'm not smiling. I'll be yeah. thinking about uh, oh, yeah. the next answer, probably looking cross-eyed at something. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, DJ Lexicon is going to do his events, so... Yeah, and I'll be playing uh, two com contemporary Filipino songs. Whoop, awesome. whoop. Pangumi 
naman tayo Parang kailan lang ang huli Kaano man kalayo Tayo'y pinagtatagpumuli Ilang ulit nagkasakitan Ngunit pa ulit nang humagaling Ilang ulit balat na iwan Ngunit patuloy na bumabalik Ay ramin ng sakit na nilimot na pabayaan Di maiwasan isipin na tayo'y para bang tumakabo Sa walang hanggan at kalye tumakabo Ang pag-ibig na tilabas ng biyahe Ikot-ikot back ladies and gentlemen with Asia Town Voice. Asia Town Voice is an hour-long nonprofit program on WJCU's 88.7 FM radio. Catch us every Sunday at 7 and we'll provide you with an inside look at the Asian American and Pacific Islander American 
and Pacific Islander Americans community, culture, education, and events in Northeast Ohio. Please give WJCU your support so we may continue to provide many voices with many choices to you. We are here with DJ Alexicon, also known as the Muggy Host. No, he's <laughs> just making like, it complicated. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know, mug someone? No. <laughs> yeah, I know. People might get scared of me now. Smuggy host. Hot and humid. Yeah. (laughs) Smuggy. I meant to say smuggy. I am the bossy lady host. Uh, My real name is Yin Tang, and we are here with special guest Arthur Chu, former Jeopardy contestant. So let's talk about what's going on around Cleveland. um, There's not a lot. Uh, The traveling Silk Road exhibit still continues. Aren't you going to do this part live? What's that? Aren't you supposed to do this part live? There's not a lot, so I'm just going to insert it right now. Okay. (laughs) Didn't mean to drop. Go ahead. So what's going on uh, until October is the Traveling Silk Road exhibit at the Cleveland Museum of Natural History, in which we are giving away a pair of tickets every time I'm live in studio. So even though sometimes you are recorded, I may be in studio hanging out and playing the different parts of the interview. So keep listening to us every Sunday, and uh, you might just win a pair of tickets. And uh, next two events that's going on, Motivations for Cleveland is going to have their annual barbecue picnic. Their annual barbecue picnic? annual barbecue picnic. You mean annual? (laughs) Yes, annual. (laughs) Well, they will be barbecuing animals. Yes, 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 definitely. It's an Asian picnic. Um, Oh, my gosh. on On August 23 at Edgewater Park from... August, it's August 23rd. August 23rd. Wasn't it supposed to be August 16th and 17th? Yeah. But then they moved it. We couldn't find a place. <laughs> Everything is booked. Olivian told me it was the 16th and 17th. So we yeah, yeah it's, it's booked. We just talked about it today. It's going to be on August 23rd at Edgewater Park. And it's from 12 p.m. or 11. No, not. Yeah, 11 a.m. till 3 p.m. ish. And for, uh, I think it's 10 or 15 bucks. But there's lots of food and you'll meet a lot of new people. And um, the second one is the uh, Motivations T-shirt contest that will kick off, uh, that kicked off and will finish in August 20th or 18th. And you get a chance to win a $50 gift card and the T-shirt with your own design in it. Awesome. And don't forget, One World Fest is September 13th and 14th at the Cleveland Cultural Gardens. And Asia Town Voice will be live on that One World Fest. Stop and by and say hello to G- yeah. DJ Lexicon. And uh, DJ Bossy Lady and Bossy DJ lady. Ghost Host. Bossy Lady. If they, are, uh, if they are. Well, you know, Ghost Host isn't going to be there. He, he can't stand sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> But they will be in and out because they will be performing, but I want to get them on the air as much Wait, as Wait, so are you saying that there's going to be a solar eclipse that day? Might be. <laughs> I, I Actually, no, I don't think there is. Possibility. <laughs> you never know. Wow, it looks like I'm never going to make the Motivations picnic. No? I, Olivia told me it was the 16th and 17th, so I moved my You had my plans on the 23rd? Yes, I oh. moved it to the 23rd <laughs> just so oh. I can make the 16th and 17th. Oh, yeah. You can cut this part out anyway. All right. So anyway, back to talking with Arthur Chu. Hey. So you had mentioned um, that you have over 14,000 followers on Twitter. Oh, uh, less than 14,000. 13.8,000. 13.8,000. It goes up and down. It goes up and down. It's like that's, the stock market. <laughs> so people unfollow you, then refollow you. Yeah. Or, or new people follow me. They get I pissed should... off at him and then, oh, maybe I'll find out what's happening with I, Arthur. <laughs> I actually haven't used my Twitter account in a while. I'll go follow him. I have two Twitter accounts, one for personal use and one for my dance company. Oh, nice. Um, but speaking of which, on Twitter, uh, I believe there was something you had tweeted a while back that caused a huge, I don't, did it go viral? 
Yeah, yeah, it did. <laughs> I mean, 300,000 shares. Um, oh, so, my goodness. Yeah, this was like, so So to the extent that the Arthur Chu brand, if you want to call it that, has had like a second life. Um, I mean, this was the thing. It was like, well, you go you go viral because of something like Jeopardy, and everyone asks like, well, you know, what are you going to do next? Is Are you just going to like, you know, burn bright and fade away? Well... If it's just for one thing, then probably. But if you've got two things, then you know maybe you can stretch it out a little bit that that you're known for. So, but um, this seemed like it was inadvertent. You weren't well, trying to. I, what what had happened was I'd been interviewed by Sujay Kumar from the Daily Beast, um, and so when I went up to New York the the day after um, my last show. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeopardy arranged for me to go on like this media tour and go on like Good Morning America and. All this stuff. And when I was in New York, uh, Sujay Kumar, who works at the Daily Beast, told me to come meet him. And we talked about, you know, he talked about, like, having followed me um, through all this media whirlwind stuff. And I, I did a lot of media. Like, Julia Collins did a little bit. I did a lot um, because I wanted to. Um, and one of the things that happened was I got a chance to show people, hey, I can I can write. I can talk. You know, one of the cool things was there was, like, this interview that I did with the AV Club uh, that was, like, just, like, over, I don't know, like over like 5,000 words of just me talking, you know, and they actually printed the whole thing and it was apparently striking enough that it got reprinted. So like uh, the Cleveland Plain Dealer actually printed the whole thing in print, not on the internet. Like the Sunday Plain Dealer, like the middle section about like Cleveland champions, they had a whole thing. One whole like spread was like um, a half page of, of me talking, which was crazy. But it was like, you know, obviously I have a lot to say. Obviously I can write. And so Sujay Kumar was like, um, do you want to gig freelancing with the Daily Beast? You can talk about that. So I had been writing stuff for them, um, just trying to figure out like a niche stuff to write about. And I'd actually gone semi-viral, um, mostly for people who disagreed with me about, um, I wrote a column about Brendan Eich, um, that situation, the former CEO of Mozilla. Mm-hmm. Um, and just saying like, you know, I agreed with, the the decision that he should resign and a lot of people uh got mad at me and michael medved i had i had not done a radio interview for months and then michael medved called me up to be on his show just for that to disagree with me wow um (laughs) so then the isla vista shooting happened and i you know reacted to that like, like everyone else did and i read the hashtag yes all women which was women talking about like elliot roger um this was a, a mass shooting where the guy who did it did it because he was upset that women weren't going out with him, basically, because he felt like women owed him something. And the mainstream media at first didn't report on that side of it. Um, they just said it was a mass shooting, the killer was mentally disturbed. And a bunch of women got mad that they weren't saying, you know, this is tied to you know negative things about how women are seen in society, about guys feeling like they, they're entitled to something from women. And they started this hashtag, yes, all women, yes, all women, even if... Mass shootings are rare. All women have had to deal with guys invading their space, getting possessive, you know. And I read it. It was a a really, you know, emotionally difficult thing to do. But I I sat there, you know, I read it. I stayed up that late late that night and I was like, with this having just happened, I was going to write this, like, thing about, like, nerd culture and the Big Bang Theory. And I was like, my thing about nerd culture can't just be about nerd culture for the Daily Beast. It has to respond to this somehow. So Mm -hmm. I wrote this article um it got the headline your princesses in another castle reference to you know super mario brothers um and i was just like you know flat out saying hey there's this you know kind of big problem specifically with like nerdy guys and nerd culture about like you know you get the girl as a reward for doing well in life 
and Elliot Roger bought into and that's why he went on a shooting spree and it got a huge amount of attention um it started getting shared that that day and then within the week all of a sudden it was like this weird old routine I was doing like radio interviews again and wow. people wanted to talk to me again um 350,000 shares or something on Facebook the last time I looked at it and I'm still getting like retweeted and shared now like uh quite a bit later and you know um I wrote that article in just kind of like a rush, like literally I had stayed up all night and I just I wanted to get my feelings out on paper. Um, but it apparently resonated with a lot of people. And I think part of it is that, you know, I, and we were talking about unpopular nerdy guys and some of the negative attitudes that unpopular nerdy guys had. Well, I was a negative, I was an unpopular nerdy guy on TV mm-hmm. in front of all of America. That was what I was known as, as a nerdy guy who was <laughs> unpopular for whatever reason. And so it meant... To to a lot of people, it meant more that I was saying it than, you know, that a, a man was saying and that a man who was, like, saying, you know, this is a problem with guys like me, that this is a problem with our culture instead of someone from the outside mm-hmm. saying it. Um, and so, you know, I obviously was really pleased with the reaction to it. And since then, you know, I've been writing about other stuff. I recently wrote an article about, you know stuff from an Asian perspective was kind of tongue in cheek, but like why the Hulk should be an Asian American guy, the superhero, <laughs> the, the Hulk. Because... We'll get back to that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's cool. Um, so a lot of people have said like, you know, now Arthur Chu is going to be known more as a commentator than as the Jeopardy guy. And you know, I, I would be happy if that were true because I've only done Jeopardy for like three days of my life. Yeah. As I've been, you know, talking and thinking about this stuff my whole life. Um, so it's just really weird how these these doors can open for you, you know. And now I'm talking about like maybe I could write a book now that there's people who are interested in my writing or speaking, and it's, it's stuff that's still kind of half formed. Um, I can't really can't really get anything in stone until after the Tournament of Champions because I'm still under contract with Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it's it's really cool that these doors have opened. So. Interesting but that go- uh, people, contestants are under contract. No, it's I, I can understand it. Hmm. But um, going back to what you said, why should the Hulk be an Asian American? Yeah, I actually, <laughs> I actually isn't. It, That's very it, intriguing. Are you saying that Asian Americans are mad Passive all the aggressive. time? Passive aggressive? <laughs> that they blow up? You know what? You're right. That's actually <laughs> well. You can you can find the article on you can find the article on the Daily Beast. Um, uh, I can't actually claim credit for the idea because another Asian American writer, Jeff Yang, who does a column for the Wall Street Journal, I mean, he also interviewed me during the Jeopardy thing. We got to talking. Um, and he had actually written something when Ang Lee directed The Hulk yes. in 2003, just saying, like, there's a kind of passive so the, aggressiveness in the Asian American community. Ang there Lee, is, actually. <laughs> Ang Lee, in an interview, said, you know, I was drawn to this story because I felt the same kind of frustration as someone who was supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer and wanting to be in a creative field and not being able to express that. Um, and the, this is actually something I've been thinking about since Jeopardy, because... One of the interesting things is that I was really embraced by the Asian American community. In fact, when I went viral, um, my story made it, you know, across the Pacific into like China. Mm-hmm. There was there were Chinese language newspapers doing articles about me, and um, and that was a little bit weird because I didn't think Jeopardy was that important. But um, 
No, uh, there were people like saying, "What should the you know after Lynn Sanity? What should the the term for Arthur Chu fans be?" Chu Sanity, Chuphoria. Chuphoria, that's cool. Although I think the one that stuck was the Choo Choo Train. Right? <laughs> you know, I know, and you know, Jeff Yang actually had an opinion about this. He was like, "You know, I think this is a big deal for Asian American guys because um, we don't have enough heroes." on TV, um, certainly not in sports. And so Jeremy Lin was a really big deal because we had this like legitimate hero and we could tell the story. He was overlooked because of his race. And, yes. Um, but at the same time, he's like, at the same time, Jeremy Lin, you know, not to say anything negative about him as a person, but the way he presented himself was the way Asian guys are supposed to present themselves is very humble as very, you know, um, self-effacing. Like he, you know, he said, like, the most aggressive he ever got was that the thing where he had, they dissed him by putting Carmelo Anthony in his jersey. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. all he said was, like, turn the other cheek. I was pissed off about right. that, and he wasn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like, well, you know, there's, to a certain extent, the way Asians are perceived in the media is that we're not a very angry group of people. Yeah, and, we don't uh, fight back easily. And that I was raised, you know, um, my parents were immigrants and they, they said, you know, you just can't afford to stick your neck out as much if you're in a foreign country. Or if that's oh, how interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And so, you know, I, I kind of went into that, but I was like, but, you know, Josh Yang was like, well, you're, you're just a jerk, you know, <laughs> I think I'm really, I think I'm really a jerk, but, but I, I feel like, you know, a lot of people didn't like me you know, for how I played on Jeopardy. And then in every interview that I came out, I was like, I don't care if you don't like it, you know, mm -hmm. this is what I'm doing. Um, and I was very outspoken and I was like, you know, I don't care if you don't like me. Um, I don't care if you don't think I should be talking, if this isn't a valid way for me to have a platform, which is obviously something people were saying, like, why are we even paying attention to this guy? I don't care. This is my opportunity. I'm going to yeah. use it. And to be outspoken like that, this is what Jeff said. And I think to a, I, I kind of agree. It's not something that we see a lot of Asians doing, just being like very openly aggressive, like openly, mm -hmm. openly, you know, um, assertive and taking things. Maybe, and, you know, maybe in some people, that's how they look at it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't look at it uh, as assertive or aggressive. It's just you being you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and some people can take it differently. Yeah. But I mean, um, there's a blog called Angry Asian Man. Really? <laughs> Yeah, no, he's he's a cool guy. I, I recommend checking it out. Um, Angry Asian. Man. Yeah, there also used to be one called Secret Asian Man. Uh, yeah, Secret that was, that Asian was Man. I used to read that back in college. That was a little while ago. So <laughs> <laughs> it was it was cute. It was. I've never <laughs> seen Angry Asian Man though. So yeah, I mean, he's playing on like Angry Black Man or Angry Young Man. But it's. I think it's true that um, we don't have enough angry Asians. Like I when, yes, when yes. Suey Park went viral, I. Uh, with the the cancel Colbert thing, I wrote an article back then, which wasn't that big a deal compared to late, more recent things that I've written. But I wrote an article back then saying, you know, I'm not mad at Suey Park. You know, I don't agree with her, but I'm not going to tell her to sit down and shut up because we need more angry Asians. Yeah. Because Asians, yeah. even if she's wrong, she has the right to speak. I think is people you know, get surprised whenever an Asian is angry. Yeah, that's how. Yeah, that's exactly. what I experienced in college because you know I'm no pushover. But I think they were expecting me to not be vocal and assertive, which right. I'm not, which I am. <laughs> so during those times, that's how, you know, I said, well, I'm not just going to be, I'm not going to shut up because she insulted me. I'm going to be, I'm going to fight back or say something back because that's not right. Right, so. right, exactly. Yeah. And sometimes it can be really difficult to handle. Um, a couple months ago, I read uh, a post from one of my sister's roommates, um, 
So from one of my sister's roommate, and it was pretty much about growing up as a Chinese American girl. How sometimes you say things you don't really mean because you're taught that you don't deserve things that you're、mm. supposed to be like a child your your entire life. You don't speak unless you're spoken、wow. to,、yeah. and especially for girls too.、Um, yeah. In her case, I, I I can't remember if she was the youngest in her family or not, but it had a lot to do with it.、Um, and I read the whole thing. If anybody wants to go back, they can Google Asia Town Voice, and there'll be.、Um, It's in the same interview where we interviewed Wayne Wong, and I read it at the beginning. So if anybody wants to check out that post, it's、uh, it's up there. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. but、uh, speaking of uh, posts and um, uh, voiceovers, you mentioned your friend's、uh, online comic Earth World. Oh yeah, yeah. How do you spell that? You can E R F World. E R F W O R. Is it still available?、Um, can people still check it out? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, uh, and you can hear my voice on it、um, if you go to the. <laughs> The you can find it pretty easily. They're rede- redesigning the website right now, so I haven't seen it since they redesigned it. But and that's earthworld dot com dot com. That's、yeah. pretty cool. There you go.、Yeah. Can you give us like a quick synopsis of the story? Oh, it's weird. Oh,、uh, it's, it's We're basically all geeks here, so. yeah. <laughs> you know,、um, when I started going viral for the Jeopardy strategy stuff.、Um, Rob Balder actually did a post saying like he's like the protagonist of Earthworld, like Parson, the the guy from Earthworld.、Um, and so when someone asked me like what kind of geek icon are you, and I was like, well, like the guy from Earthworld, and they didn't know what that was.、So、I was like, well, <laughs> like、uh, Ender from Ender's Game, okay? Okay. Oh, like, all right, you know, all right. Like, I, I'm just、right. trying to win the game, and, and、yes. the, there's other consequences to it that I might not be aware of. It's like, well, it's not the same as if I killed a whole planet full of people. Yeah, I'm just trying to win a game, but.、Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's about a guy who's really into like strategy games, and then he actually gets magically transported to a world of real people that works like a strategy game. Oh, which is interesting. Which is very nerdy, but it's, it's interesting. Like、yeah. uh, Catan, something yeah, like that. You are <laughs> never allowed to play Settlers of Catan with my husband. This、oh, will、yeah. be this. Will... <laughs> oh my dear God! Anybody who has ever played Settlers of Catan with my husband or his family will know exactly what we're talking about. He will fight <laughs> and argue for five minutes on whether or not you should trade him his, his cards.、That's、Eventually,、right. you will just be worn down and just give up. I just don't <laughs> talk to him and let him babble. <laughs> we, we time him now. He only gets two minutes for two minutes for. <laughs> my brother sets a timer. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, I guess we'll go ahead and ask you the question that we ask all yes, of our guests all the time. Okay. <laughs> What is your favorite Asian dish?、Um, my favorite Asian dish is niangao. So, yeah, yeah, the the thick like the cut. Could you describe、food. this? Because all our guests are mentioning this, dropping、yeah. this Chinese name in their food. So what's What the niangao in English? It's almost it's like a pun because nian means sticky, but also means year, and you serve it at New Year's.、Um, it's、oh. it's like. It's a noodle dish, but instead of like noodle noodles, instead of like long noodles, they're like fat, thick, like, like chopped,、cakes. chopped like rice like, cakes. Like chou fun. Yes, but thicker. But、yeah. thicker. Oh, yeah, thicker. like chewy.、Right. Yeah. I think I would like that. Can you、yeah. cook it? Can you cook it? Well, if, if for I us, buy, like, for us, for us, frozen <laughs> bag of it. Could, yeah. But... Oh, so you? I mean, yeah. Obviously, you wouldn't make it from scratch. I have some in my freezer, as a matter of fact.、Oh, yeah? Yeah, my favorite way to do it is to mix it with like some sesame oil, boil、mm. it with soy sauce. Check that out in your. Throw in a lot of garlic. <laughs>、nice. Well, yeah, you're not allowed to come over my house anymore. Every time I invite him to a party and he's supposed、oh, to bring food,、on. he brings uncooked food. I give you the、But、opportunity to shine by being creative in the in the raw <laughs> ingredients that I bring. <laughs> 
<laughs> he I, he said he was going to bring salmon the one time oh, to yeah. a party for Aaron's birthday party. Did Aaron's I bring a salmon? He did. It wasn't deboned. It wasn't descaled. It wasn't deskinned. Oh, but it was high quality salmon. Did you see the fat? No, I bought it at Asia Town Center. It was lying there in the ice, and it's like this huge chunk. And I said, "You're coming with me to yeah. Solon." Oh. It was in North Royalton at the time, but Very yes, probably, yeah. but I had to uh, debone it. It was difficult because I was still serving other stuff, and then I had to scale it. And then I didn't. I left the skin on, but it was very. But it was very good the way you cooked it. It was an hour out of my night. <laughs> I <laughs> between was everything. Forward, I was like, I wonder how Yin is gonna cook this one. Yeah. Well, it was gone very quickly. Next time, if you're gonna bring salmon, please bring it deboned and descaled. And cooked. And cooked. Preferably. <laughs> That's the best. Yeah. <laughs> and the other time for a housewarming party, he bought brown rice. Right. There you go. He bought a bag of brown rice. Oh. It was uncooked. uncooked. <laughs> That's traditional traditional gift for new houses in Philippines. You should have bought like some chips or something. Yeah, We're going to make him bring chips next time. Okay. He's going to bring like raw potatoes. I, I bet you, right? I'm going to have to like slice them up, maybe pop not, them in the oven. Maybe not potato chips. <laughs> oh my dear God. What a different kind of chips anyway. Banana chips. Then I'll just bring banana. <laughs> Bananas. There, you don't have to cook that. Uh, I'll even slice it for you. <laughs> don't forget to put like vinegar on it so yes. it doesn't brown yes. or salt water. So. Well, anyway, uh, thank you so much for coming in and uh, letting us interview you today. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem. And for our listeners, if you have any questions or you want to check it out, you sh- can visit. If you want to check out this interview or if you have any questions you would like us to ask in future interviews, please visit our Facebook page. Uh, just search for Asia Town. That's all one word, A-S-I-A-T-O-W-N, voice. Voice is a separate word. And then you'll see your little red logo. Yeah, and please uh, tell us how we're doing. If you like an interview, if you like a song or anything. Yes, request music. Lots, lots, lots. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. We'll catch you next week. Bye.